Thank you so much for joining me today, Amy. Um, I've been really looking forward to chatting with you. And I think um, I think there's so much to unpack. Um, so I'm going to do something that we do with all of our special guests. It's uh, your life story in two minutes. So it's a bit of a tricky one, <laughs> almost an impossible task. But <laughs> could you tell us your life story then? Where, how have you got to here? How have I got to here? Right, I'm starting my timer. Um, so um, I um, was born and grew up in Darwin, which is a little town just outside of Blackburn in Lancashire. And Blackburn um, doesn't have a right lot of professional theatre going on. Um, but what's great about Blackburn is you can get to lots of places. So um, I was really lucky because um, of two things. One is that my mum uh, used to drive me here, there and everywhere to see plays and to go to art galleries and, and museums um, and to experience art, which I know not everybody has the... Um, the same look as, as I did with my mom. Um, and the other thing is that I started um, at a youth theatre at the Octagon in Bolton, and it was extraordinary youth theatre. We're talking 25 years ago, we were doing regendered um, production of Shakespeare, we were doing street theatre, we were um, integrating sign language into shows back then. And so it was really amazing. Um, and I think really now I like live out a lot of what I learned in that particular youth theatre and the kind of ethos of that. Um, after that, I went um, to university and did English and did lots and lots of drama in my spare time. And when I left university, I did three things. One was that I started doing lots of temping, as many of us do. Um, the second thing was that I set up a theatre company that toured work for young audiences, brand new plays. And then the third thing was that I started doing a huge amount of working within community settings, youth theatre directing, um, working with young people, which I love and have then kind of continued those three strands. Um, luckily got to a point where I could stop temping um, because the other two things took over and um, ran the company for eight years and started to build up my um, freelance directing portfolio as well. Um, and that led me to working at theatres across the country um, and with lots of different organisations alongside that, always keeping those two plates spinning of community focused work and professional work. And then finally that led me to do some freelance work at the Playhouse, Leeds Playhouse, which I fell in love with and applied to be associate director. And that's where I am now. And that is two seconds to go. <laughs> there we are, my time is going off. <laughs> that's amazing. That's perfect. Did you rehearse it? <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> no, I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Um, okay, so let's start right at the beginning then. Yeah. Um, in the I'm particularly interested in the period where you're saying you're temping and also making the art. So, like, what what are the details of that time? What was your mindset like? Um. I mean, I was really lucky. I'd met some really uh, brilliant people at university. Um, again, really lucky to have gone to university um, and, and that the privilege of that, I suppose. Um, but met some brilliant people. We wanted to put on plays. And um, and back then, we're talking 20 years ago, um, it was a much easier time to say take shows to the end of a festival. It still required a bit of, of financing, but nothing like what people have to face now. And so that was really lucky because we were starting to put on work in front of audiences and spend the whole of the summer refining it. So I remember taking a ghost story, the very first show that we made for young people was a ghost story for seven plus. And um, we took it to Edinburgh and it just was not scary at all. And we just spent the whole month of Edinburgh ramping up and changing it with that response from a real audience every day to the point where like children were literally running, jumping out of their seats, screaming. Um, and then it kind of then luckily uh, 
we didn't kind of get it reviewed till like the final week. So that was quite lucky. Um, so I suppose part of it was getting to just like flex those muscles of being in a room and to make work and just find out like, who are we as artists? Um, and then alongside that, yeah, temping kind of, um, which when I look back, I kind of, I'm so pleased that I did. I mean, I used to work at Tesco's through my like A-levels and stuff. All that time spent working for the NHS and um, building firms and stuff, just kind of meeting people um, from all walks of life, um, I think is just hugely useful. Um, I means I never quite take for granted like what I get to do now and that I get to do it full time. Um, and then I suppose alongside that, all the kind of community work and stuff that was starting to develop and that young people's focus work. Um, again, it, it matters to me because I got to have the great benefit of that going to youth theatre. I know what it is to receive that type of work and be part of that. So to get to do it and to empower people. Um, is amazing but also again as a director getting to flex muscles so learning how do I run a room how do I get the best out of people I do remember my first ever after school club that I ran for the Octagon <laughs> like on a Tuesday night and I had to take like three trains to get to this school in the back of beyond or you know loads of buses um and then I made a child cry and it still haunts me to this day I made a child cry and like um I feel I still feel awful about it but I actually having moments like that where you kind of get it wrong, you know, and you have to go, I don't want to make children cry. We're doing theater. We should be having fun. We should be having a nice time. Learning on the job, how you run a room, how do you get the best out of people, whether they are professional actors, whether they are seven-year-olds in a school hall, it doesn't matter. It's all getting to flex your muscles. So I suppose that's kind of, yeah, some of the detail. I also used to do temp jobs where I would um, just work so fast because I'm quite efficient with the old admin so I just worked so fast that I could then like secretly like steal the photocopying and like you know research different theatres when nobody was looking um so that was kind of the mix of what I was doing I suppose um yeah and were you living at home doing this as well so like you did you have the benefit of that and um yeah so I lived yeah partly why I had to take like you know two trains and a bus to get to somewhere in Bolton was I was I, I did move back home I lived back with my mum for a number of years um so would be on lots of the um Pennine Way bus over to Manchester for hours in freezing cold conditions and did that for years and actually it's funny since I've been based in one place at the Playhouse for the last four years which is amazing it's great to really get to know a place and the people that we serve but I do kind of miss that like traveling around the country I really miss it because um it's amazing to get to kind of see different places and and um see different people and different audiences and and yeah I've always really enjoyed that as well I always have that when I walk into a new theatre that I've never been I was like oh, okay this is still a theatre but oh you're doing it this way it's kind of yeah. Yeah, and audiences are different, aren't they? Like, yeah. you know, that was one of the things we learned early on with the company that I ran was like touring work where, we, you know, we'd be in Inverness one day and Plymouth the next and um, slightly, you know, just grabbing whatever, you know, oh, we can do it at that date. Okay, yeah, we'll be there. It doesn't, you know, we'll find a way. Um, uh, was actually, yeah, getting to know different communities and kind of like also the way that like an audience responds differently in Yorkshire to Plymouth to... Inverness it is a really different kind of response that people have and what theatre means to them and stuff so I really I, I love that I used to go to um I used to have a season ticket at the Blackburn Rovers when I was a teenager um kind of through the glory years as well it was a great time to be a Rovers season ticket holder um but one of the things I used to do was miss all the goals because 
I'd always be looking at, um, we sat quite near to where the, where the away fans were. And what I loved was seeing how like the Leeds United fans would be really different to like, you know, the Manchester United fans or they were so different. And I would get so engaged by watching them that I would always, always miss the goals. Um, so I, yeah, I like watching audiences. It's people watching, isn't it? It's that fascination. Yeah. yeah. So I think you're quite philosophical about temping and you're, you're seeing all of the good bits there, but were you as positive when you were doing it or or were you, is there any jobs that you absolutely hated or like um or couldn't stand um and and the caveat to that is how did you if there were moments like that how did you think okay well I'm doing this for the art or like how how was that I don't because I can't I don't know that I can really remember I, I mean I would say that I think I've been blessed with a um, I am quite a positive person so I do tend to um, I always find it really hard when people say oh, what was the really hard thing about that because I don't always remember because I think I've got my brain works in such a way that I can take often the kind of crappiest thing and, and find what was useful about it so um, so I, I yeah I find it tricky to answer that question because I'm sure like you know rocking up at you know my little job at like some GP surgery <laughs> you know it wasn't set in my world I like but I like people and um and uh and I knew it was a means to an end and of course I hoped that one day I'd be able to stop it it took a while but I hope that that would be the case um so good... I don't know I find it hard to answer that really they weren't really yeah I guess it's through positivity and and finding uh I guess for me it was knowing that it was temporary and knowing that it, it, I'm not yeah. here forever and but it's it's like you it's kind of finding the what are the skills that you're building through doing something else yeah, yeah. That, and actually you know in in any workplace um it doesn't matter whether it's the shop floor of Tesco's or a theatre building you have so many different people come together in those spaces don't you so like now working at the playhouse you know like you can be in a I've just been in a meeting with people from marketing and comms people from fundraising people from building maintenance and of course like and not everybody classes themselves as an artist within that space and people are coming from different walks of life so often what we do when we're like in a um, rehearsal space is we're trying to get the best out of different people and actually like I remember as a kind of um, you know my days back working at Tesco's I had a manager a line manager she was so grumpy like she was so um stern everybody was really scared of her right and so they used to be quite horrible to her and what I I kind of there was something about her that was just like I could kind of tell she was just trying to put this front on you know to like because she had to be the boss but nobody had ever trained her how to do that so I just I remember being kind to her and it's like she didn't know what to do with it and I don't know there's something about like again like working out people's personalities how do you get the best from them how do you um make them feel more comfortable in themselves that you can learn whether you're kind of like yeah like I say in Tesco's or in a rehearsal room and so it's kind of not undervaluing some of the things that we learn just by being in teams of people um you know uh but also there's something about seeing you know like some um you know jaded person who's like I will get out of this job and they've never done that and you're like I'm not going to be that person so <laughs> that spurs you on as well I think <laughs> that's so true so true um we'll come back to kind of 
there's something you said there about kind of um, trying to be the boss. And I think with a lot of directors, especially potentially young directors, there's a the idea of like, I have to be the director, whatever yeah. that means. Um, we'll park that and we'll come back to that as kind of when we're talking about rehearsals, but I think that's a really interesting yeah. thing. Um, whilst we're in this kind of stage in your career, I'd like to talk about En Masse and, um, and your, your work with them. And also we've said off air that if you were running the company now, it might be slightly different because the landscape has changed. So yeah. how, could you talk about that for a bit? Yeah, so En Masse was um, a theatre company. Um, I'm almost a bit embarrassed by the name. It just sounds like so, it's like the kind of name you choose when you're... <laughs> 19 um oh dear um but yeah it was a theater company that was set up to um create new work for young audiences um the reason we chose that was because um like i say i'd been taken a lot to theater stuff as a young person and i remember my dad trying to find things for us to go and see at the edinburgh festival and there wasn't anything for it was like there was nothing for children like the ch there was barely a children's section in the program um but I was really lucky. I'd seen some amazing family work as a small child that got me hooked on theatre. So I kind of wanted to do that. I wanted to make that type of work. So we kind of just like had a go, basically. Like we didn't really know if we we're going to be any good at it. But um, Ollie Birch, who was the writer and composer who I ran that company with, um, he also has a very good instinct for writing for a kind of seven year old audience. Um, so we kind of had a go, like I say, with this ghost story. And by the end of that festival, um, had kind of made it really scary and really engaging and then I like fluke got reviewed and won a fringe first which was just like I remember the day that happened and just like screaming my head off um it was like all our dreams have come true so we just kind of thought well let's carry on with this let's like and it didn't come from like a kind of um you know some kind of point of view of strategy or like we just kind of were like well oh, we'll just make another show then. So then we made a show about rubbish pirates. It was a musical about some really rubbish pirates and uh, it was kind of a sketch show for kids. It's like funny, I watched my nine-year-old watching Horrible Histories and I'm like, that feels quite in the same vein of what we were doing on that. Um, and again, it won a fringe first. So it was like, oh my God. Um, yeah, so from those two shows, it meant we were getting programmers coming to watch our work and people seeing that. And it meant we could start to book these tours that like I say really when I look back we just had like a treasurer's account it was so embarrassing when I back, like this little treasurer's account and it was just me with a checkbook I mean this is how like like old school we're talking no social media no online banking so it was all just me and a checkbook coming friends of ours who wanted to be actors or you know who were at drama school and stuff to come and do these tours for 50p and a spit you know and and like <laughs> Um, but we kind of had a glorious time because we were like 21 and we were driving around the country staying in cottages and getting to put on plays and we got to take a show to Malaysia and we got to go to um, uh, to Warsaw um, and it was awesome so and then in a way it was as kind of there came a crunch point I suppose with that company where it was like do we either properly we've been getting lots of project funding from the Arts Council as well which was amazing but we kind of got to a point where I think it was like we either have to really commit to this and properly go for like I can't remember what it was called at the time, but it was like pre-MPO. It was like, do we go for like proper year-round funding and properly set up this company and properly run it? Or do we just kind of go, we've got out of it what um, it, it was and, and it's time to move on. And that's where we kind of ended up really was that we were both starting to get much more work as individual 
a freelance artist and um, and able to scratch the itch that had been that company in with other in other settings. So it kind of just ran its course, really. But I'm really proud of it. It's funny I don't really think about it much anymore. But um, it was an amazing thing um, to get to do and to learn on the job and to make mistakes and. Um, yeah, kind of, I think helps me now in the work that I do at the Playhouse in terms of Furnace and our artist development programme. I've been there, I've been that like young artist trying to get that foot in the door, trying to make that booking. Um, so I think that really helps in that understanding. But I think in terms of how it's different, I think partly it's that change I said about the Edinburgh Festival. I think that's a massive, um, it's just so in inaccessible for, in so many ways. Um, and I think that's quite concerning because um, obviously, the massive focus on Edinburgh is what was so brilliant about it and has been so brilliant about it and how we um, create those opportunities for earlier career artists without that massive um, industry focus on one place. Um, it's really hard to kind of know um, where to kind of send artists to get to practice in front of an audience. That's the thing about Edinburgh. You practice in front of an audience, you make the work better in front of an audience over a month's time. Um, and that's like, kind of irreplaceable so I wish it wasn't so expensive for people um I think also like I say things like social media the fact that like you know we'd take kind of pictures and we'd have to get like like a it was like, like you know we're talking about the like early days of digital cameras so all of that collateral I get packs now from early career um independent companies and things and they're like you know the mark you know it's it's so good it's so good like what people can send you in terms of trailers and photographs and graphic design it's just amazing it was just me on like word doing kind of clip <laughs> practically clip art you know so um I think there's some really positive things I think for um early career artists and stuff as well um yeah so what what would your advice be to people who are building the en masse of 2021 <laughs> oh god um it's it's interesting as well because I think one of the things about en masse that I think meant we did maybe better than we might have done was the fact that we had such a targeted we knew what we did and um and it was something that there is a need for actually there still isn't loads of amazing work out there for seven-year-olds um and so we happened to fit, so we kind of knew why the company needed to exist and what it was kind of um, aiming to do. And I think that clarity for any company is really important. Whatever it is you're looking to explore, having that real sense of why do you do the work? What are you creating as a company? Why does it matter that that company exists to make work? Um, it, I think is really crucial because it's something that we're always interested in when we get sent things at the Playhouse from early career companies. We want to know what is it? What do you want to say about the world? And why do you want to say it to our audiences in our building? <laughs> and so I think that's really important because um, it also then helps you as the artist identify where you're going to expend your energy in terms of promoting that show. So um, I say this also for individual freelance makers as well, getting a real sense of like what we might put on at the Playhouse is different to what um, Warwick Arts Centre might put on, is different to what um, Plymouth Theatre Royal might put on, is different to what um, Contact in Manchester, every theatre is different. The things it's interesting in are different. And this is what I used to spend a lot of those hours stolen from temp jobs doing was just scrolling through people's websites. Oh, right, they that's the type of work they put on. Oh, that's the um, the the 
creative engagement activity they they um, undertake. So for us at the Playhouse, as you know, like we've got, um, say, really strong interest in our theatre sanctuary work with refugees and people seeking asylum, or we've got a real interest in dementia friendly work, for example. So of course, if somebody approaches us about things to do with those, we might be more interested. And so I think it's really doing your homework. Do that rather than just trying to contact every theatre in the land. Spend that energy um, researching and finding out and thinking, would our work actually can we imagine it being in that brochure at that theater because if you can then that's where you should really focus your energy yeah so that's what i say i think that's super helpful and also the thing that i used to do when i was um working for other companies is especially touring companies is see where else they toured to like yeah. if, if that's a you know if that's a complete journey of a show totally that's such a good idea find that interesting um okay let's uh so let's we've kind of so you've left on mass um and you're doing more freelance directing how did you get from that stage to uh where we see you now into the playhouse it's hard isn't it to um to, to kind of summarize that into easy kind of bullet points because it's all such an organic process um and i suppose the winding down of on mass took quite a long time for that to kind of run its course and of course like I say I was also at the same time um, doing more and more work in terms of young people's work and um, creative engagement work um, that had been building in scale as well because I think that's the thing um, that I really look back on as like I'm so grateful for even now in kind of when I'm in rooms where like I might be running a big room of people well it's like well actually then I think back to when I was directing a youth theatre show with 60 teenagers outside in an, in an epic open air space actually it teaches you those skills of, of running a big space of, of um, working with a lot of people and so I suppose it was all kind of like um, quite organic in the way that my career continued um, and I'm really grateful to a handful of people. I think we all need our champions, you know, you don't need many champions really, um, but it's great to find them. One of which was my youth theatre leader that I mentioned, um, that amazing youth theatre who um, gave me some of those first opportunities to be paid to run youth theatre sessions and, and that kind of thing. Um, another person was the, the person who was the producer at the Royal Exchange um, uh, back when I was kind of starting out, um, who knew my work through en masse, but also obviously saw me around the building because I did a lot of work for the um, creative engagement department of the Royal Exchange. And there was just a play he was, he wanted the um, exchange to put on for a really long time and um, and I loved it. And so he championed me to do it. And, and, you know, those champions, those people who just put your name in that pot at the right time, I mean, like they're worth the weight in gold. And like, I kind of think of them as like very God people, you know. Um, so that's been really important. And then of course, sometimes then what happens is you do one thing and then somebody sees that and then they ask you to do something else and then it starts to spiral and you don't really know how it's happened, but it's kind of spiraled off. Um, but I would say all the way through to starting at the Playhouse, keeping those different plates spinning of building up my professional um, portfolio of work at the same time as um, continuing to love and work within community settings and young people settings. I kept on going all the way through to starting at the Playhouse um, full time, um, which I've loved doing. Um, what I haven't, I suppose, done very much of, which a lot of directors do is assistant directing. Um, and that's partly because back 
20 years ago, there wasn't quite so much of it, particularly regionally. Um, and if there was, it was unpaid. Um, so I did do a couple where I had to like share a bed with my sister at a university hall's residence and I was effectively an unpaid DSM. Um, so I didn't really bother with assisting, to be honest. I just preferred being in the room and doing it. Um, and also there weren't really courses for directors around. So like the Burt Beck, I think only started maybe two or three years after I left university. Um, so neither of those were really options. And I'm kind of glad that they weren't like, that's not to disparage those, you know, people take all different routes, but it's just to say that you can train or you can not train or you can assist or not assist. It's all possible. It's, I think the key thing to focus on is like, who are you as an artist? What makes you tick? Um, what why do you want to tell the stories that you want to tell in the way you want to tell them at the places you want to tell them to the people you want to tell them to um and learning how you in a room and get the best out of people is just so important um and the more you can focus on that and the more you can put the kind of blinkers on of like oh but my peer is doing that and oh my god they've got that thing um it's really hard to avoid that. Like, really it's so difficult, really isn't it? It's so oh difficult to compare. So difficult. And I think I don't really do it much anymore. Like, but it was a massive feature of my head for, you know, well over a decade at least of being like, oh my God, but that person, oh my God. And then there'll always like be this person who's like, you know, I don't know, an artistic director at the age of 25 and you're like, oh my God, I've failed, um, you know, and actually that's rubbish. It's like, it's, you're on your own path and you've got to keep on on your own path. You've got to keep on like um, working out what it is that makes you unique and your offer unique as opposed to, um, and getting better at that really rather than kind of worrying about other people. But that is so much easier said than done. Um, I'm really aware, yeah. Was there anything that helped you try not to compare or is it just that just knowing that you're on your own path um I don't think there is anything really because I think you can't get away from it really other than recognize that that's how everybody feels I think um is useful yeah. um and trusting your own instinct so I remember there were a couple of moments where maybe I suppose like maybe my career could have gone in a different journey or path and actually maybe turning down the odd thing because actually deep down I didn't feel like I was maybe going to do that thing for the right reasons um and and I'm I'm proud of that really I think like trying to stick to what you're about is a really important thing because this is a long game you know like um you know and and actually I'm really grateful to the fact that I was able to make work whether it's because family work isn't as well valued as, as some other parts of theatre, but it meant it was slightly more off the radar or making work with a big youth theatre company meant it's not getting kind of national reviews. Sometimes we're so hungry to get the big break that actually it's like, you've got to be ready as well. Like, what if you get like, what if suddenly you turn around tomorrow and got that massive, you got to direct a show on the Olivier stage, right? And then you, it, then it was rubbish you weren't ready because you know and and that would be awful so actually also value the time when you get to do stuff off radar when you get to practice and mess up and it's okay like failure is good um but we don't that's what's great about the Edinburgh festival going back to that thing it's like those places where you can kind of mess up you can kind of have you can try things out and it not really matter in the grand scheme of things is a useful thing but if you've taken amazing photos and it looks amazing, 
no one who's not seen it knows what the quality of the show was. It you just collect <laughs> amazing photos, right? It's just... <laughs> exactly. <laughs> One thing. Um, good documentation, I always say. It. <laughs> um, it kind of leads into kind kind of leads into a question. You said just then um, that you were building up your portfolio. So, like, what? I guess what is important when doing that? Like what, what would you value looking at another director to come and do something at the Playhouse or like what what is it about the portfolio? Is it the big famous titles or is it the, like, is there something else? Like what, what can I be doing as an emerging director to build a great portfolio, I guess? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I think again, it goes back to this sense of what is your artistic inquiry? Like what are the, things that you're um exploring and why like why 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 should audiences come and ex like um experience this with you sharing this experience with you you know um so again i think sometimes people think that they have to get like a big name theater on their cv or you know like that big opportunity that we kind of like you know in kind of quotation marks kind of think of as the big opportunities and that's not necessarily it I, I don't think um it's more like what what yeah what is your artistic inquiry that you're on what's that journey and of course that could be really eclectic you know and that my career has been very eclectic and I've always done a real mix of family shows and classic texts and new work and you know a whole range of stuff um but I suppose getting a better sense of what it is you do as a director and and how all of that kind of adds up into a kind of the the bigger picture about like who are you and what are you trying to say to the world and and what um why why do you want audiences to come and share this with you so I would say follow that rather than worrying that oh my god I need to get that big theatre on my CV I don't think we definitely at the Playhouse don't necessarily look to that obviously where you've worked can be a kind of um a testament to other people who've like trusted you and 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 um or or believe in you um so that's useful but um yeah it's quite wide ranging i would say can we go back to the your boss in tesco's and uh <laughs> and, the, and the role of a boss or a director and yeah. kind of um you've said quite a lot already about how you run a room and it's quite mm. important so like could you talk to me about the role of the director from your point of view yeah totally I think we all um if we're artistic leaders or any kind of leader I think we all have our own style um so how I run a room is going to be different to how you run a room and, and is different to the next person um so I can only really speak for myself and like I say because I've not really done much assisting I don't really know how many people run their rooms um I think early doors, I thought that I would have to change bits of myself to kind of um, lead rooms. And that's partly, I think, like you said, this notion that directors were kind of, you know, if you ever see a director in a film or, you know, in like an episode of Friends, they're like shouting from the stalls, like profanities at people. And you're like, oh, it's so horrible. Um, and that's not it at all. And um, I don't know, I think like when I think, I think back and I also think that there was parts of myself that I kind of tried to temper down, particularly as like a young woman. And I, I think particularly in my 20s, I looked younger than I ever was. Um, so that sense that you're kind of young and I'm really enthusiastic and I'm quite energetic and I'm really positive and I get really excited about 
you know, I jump around excitedly, um, that that in some ways isn't a director because in a, in my head, you know, like maybe then it was like a director is a man who wears a blazer, um, you know, and actually that's not the case. Um, again, like 20 years ago, there weren't as many female directors like as there are now and, and like as like role models who were maybe running buildings or doing really big scale shows. So again, there wasn't necessarily like people to look to and I think that has changed. Um, but I think for me, like, yeah, you have to find out what type of leader you are. The type of leader I think I am is like, actually I now go into a room I used to go into a room having kind of got my plan B blocking. So I'd have like gone, right, well, I'm because everybody will want me to have the, the answer because that's what a director is. I need to have had, the, I've got to have the answers up my sleeve. And actually I started realizing that my best moments of things that I made or the best moments of rehearsals were when I genuinely had to go, I don't really know how to do this. I don't, I don't really know, can we work it out together? I started to realize that actually those were the most empowering, the moments that, um, actors or the creatives those collaborative relationships most enjoyed and it's when the work was the best um and so what I realized is as long as you've got that kind of sense of like the vision and, and the why of why you're doing the thing that you're doing and of course you've probably worked on the design beforehand so you've got this sense this vision of like the piece and particularly I've got a strong sense of what I want an audience to feel and to take away maybe from a piece. I kind of, I know maybe what their expectations are or how I might want to play with those expectations. But then actually in terms of the nuts and bolts making of the show, I'm actually very happy now to walk into a room having not really thought about that um, other than a, a vague sense of the schedule and actually to offer that up to the space. And I really like um, creating quite egalitarian spaces where everybody in that room can contribute um and I hope that's what actors would say <laughs> to what I do in a room um I think they've I, I've had people going reflect that back at me so I think um I hope that's true but um yeah that's kind of the kind of room I want to make where actually we'll try we'll say yes and we'll try everything and at some point I will then choose and and steer that um, piece and refine it but particularly in the earlier stages of that piece um we'll try everything. And, and even if I'm like, I don't think that's gonna work, we'll try it because often I'm proved wrong. So you know, the, the great ideas can come from anywhere. Um, so I think that's what I now think of as, as being a good leader for myself. Um, and I really enjoy running rooms in that way. Um, and, I, and I hope I get, I, I, I think it leads to having quite happy companies that feel quite a lot of ownership over the pieces that we're making um yeah so that's kind of yeah a bit about my own leadership how do you how do you stop if you if you allow everyone a voice how do you still retain the authority needed or the stay focused on the vision and still allow everyone to have their voice and feel like they they've inputted in some way is it about the like just the thing about trying something out is enough I feel okay it hasn't worked how do you still maintain that uh distance because you need the voice director's voice right and the director's vision but also people it's this kind of weird juxtaposition right <laughs> it is and I totally understand where you're coming from because I think also it would be dangerous if everything was so left to the group that you might never make the show and I think at some point also as a team you we need leaders we need people to kind of make the final call um how I do that on a kind of minute shy level I don't necessarily uh know other than of course I've been doing it for a really long time now 
Um, and I think what, what I was saying before, it's like setting out that vision. I think you're right that trying things is a really great way for everybody collectively to know um, whether something's working or not. I suppose the way I make plays, if I've got any kind of sort of process, is that my ideal way to make plays is to kind of, um, is to, to, for the first section, almost think of it as like layering, right? So like, so I quite often use like a kind of sculpture analogy or a decorating analogy, but you know, like, so we've got this big piece of clay and in that first kind of go through the whole show, we'll just whack that clay down and we'll try scraping bits off it and whacking them back on and it can all be quite rough and ready and it doesn't need to be finished so we might try a load of things and not make a decision on it we'll kind of like go okay we'll let we'll leave that there and then I'll come back to it so I'm I find that I once I've gone through a whole um process on a play I've got a much better understanding of it I don't always know what the detail should be and then I'll normally then go back through the whole piece as long as there's time to do that. It doesn't always work out like this. But um, go back through the whole piece and then do the detail. So that's where I'm coming in with like the fine kind of chisels and kind of like putting on the detail of the hair, um, you know, onto that sculpture. And so um, that's kind of how I do it really is, is that, and at that point I might be more like, right now we're going to crack on through, you know, usually time is of the essence by that point. And by that point actors are then, I find quite happy to be like, okay, this is all based on what we looked at together. This has all been part of like the creative journey we've been on with this show. And now we're just gonna set it. And of course, things might change. Sometimes you just have to set something because in the moment you just need to be able to move on. And actually I've changed things in text during previews, made quite big changes. But as long as the actors have been on that journey with you and they know like the kind of that process that usually they're quite kind of up and <laughs> those late changes because you've kind of taken them along with them on that process. So I think it's that really, it's like blowing up open the, the possibilities on that first go through and then then going through a much kind of um, one, and it, it, I suppose that you kind of have a much better understanding of what is that thing? What is that sculpture that's hiding inside that lump of clay? You've, you've got this um, collective sense of what that is through that first go through. So then when you go back to the beginning, we're like, oh yeah, well, of course Scrooge needs to be like this then, because actually we now know this about the end of the play. So now we need to go back to the beginning. Um, so that's kind of how I generally work. Um, yeah. How does how does that kind of first um the the first run through look? Is is that is that you blocking kind of actually is it on its feet on a stage, kind of blocking roughly? Don't worry about it too much, guys, just try and get through yeah, it, kind of thing. Exactly. I'm not um I, do, I know some directors absolutely love paperwork and um that's great. Um, it's like just not something I feel very um, confident in um, doing lots of table work. So I don't tend to spend lots of time sat around a table. Um, I, the quicker I can get everybody up doing, the better for me, to be honest, Because partly because that's where I feel far more comfortable. I'm quite a physical, visual artist. Um, and so I prefer to be up on, on one's feet. Um, so yeah, exactly that. Just kind of like starting to work through exploring quite often finding by the time you come back to the beginning, you redo the entire opening because it's like, you know, you've like, you know, but just kind of slapping on the paint, you know, not worrying too much, kind of big kind of slap, 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 slap. Um, and that's as much about them building that company of actors so that they kind of trust each other, that they're playful with one another, um, you know, all of that stuff that I feel then pays dividends later down the line as well. Um, but yeah, very much on its feet. 
um, I'm very physical. Yeah. So I want to finish by asking you a couple of individual questions, um, maybe not even theatre related, maybe just based on you as an individual, um, which is hopefully kind of interesting. So, um, and I don't claim to have come up with these questions myself. This is from a, a guy called Tim Ferriss who asks amazing questions. He's a podcaster. So um, the question is, um, in the last five years, what new belief, behaviour or habit has most improved your life? Um, the thing that absolutely springs to mind, and it is a kind of work-related thing, but actually it's so much more than just about work, really, um, is that I've just been so, so lucky to get to spend huge amounts of creative time with deaf and disabled artists. Um, and to start to really, to, to undergo quite a major shift actually in my own brain, in, in realizing how much of kind of our societal attitudes to, to disability and deafness um, are just so negative. Um, and the things that have always been there conscious, I've done projects in the past with deaf and disabled people and, I actually learned a bit of sign language back at university 20 years ago, but actually really properly going, hang on, I haven't been thinking of any of this within my work, within the people that I'm making work for and with. And that has just been massive. And it's um, kind of changed my practice as a theatre maker quite dramatically um, in that I've now made quite a number of shows that have worked with deaf and disabled artists and also integrated creative access into shows um, kind of connected to that has also been a huge amount of artist development in that area as well to so to make sure there are opportunities for deaf and disabled artists as well um, and of course by doing all of that I've then made some incredible new friendships with deaf and disabled people I've been um, my sign language that was kind of, yeah, this thing I'd done back at university uh, has kind of come back and I've been retaking my BSL exams, but also getting to just um, practice with deaf people who humour my um, attempts at <laughs> BSL and, and improve that. So learn a whole new language, which is amazing. And, um, and I love it. I love it, love it, love it. And I've kind of yeah, become slightly obsessed by, um, by BSL <laughs> and learning about deaf culture and things but I think it's like just as as we know like when we truly embrace diversity for want of a better word um when we really properly um embrace opening up who we work with who we make work for um the people we spend our time with it it makes everything better it just makes everything better and so I've made the most brilliant new friends and collaborators um it's made my work better. Um, it's, yeah, it's just been a marvellous, marvellous thing that has kind of consumed a lot of my energy over the last kind of two or three years. But I'm, um, yeah, just really enjoying that journey that I've been on and kind of kicking myself that I didn't start properly on all of this a lot earlier because I feel like what a waste <laughs> um, of all these amazing people I could have been spending time with and working with. So I think that's it really. Um, that's just been massive, massive, massive. Yeah. And and what's been your biggest learning moment then for for adapting your your practice in that way? What's been like the one thing that you've been like, yeah, that is amazing. Um, I think I mean millions of those things in a way. Like. Uh, it, yeah, so, so, so many things. But I think if I could boil it down to anything, it would be that um, 
is to think about um, what we've always thought of as access as being this kind of add-on, this thing we add on to things to make it accessible for some people. And if we think of it as a creative layer, if we start from the beginning of a project, thinking of it as a creative layer um, in the way we might do movement direction or we might do fights choreography or we might do AV design. Um, if we think of these things as creative layers from the beginning, um, it, that's quite transformative because actually what we're talking about is storytelling. Ultimately, we're storytellers, we make theatre. Um, and so actually, it's about thinking about the visual storytelling, the aural storytelling, the um, environment of the storytelling um, in a different way and in a more, in a richer way, actually. So often the moments I'm most proud of in shows that I've made with integrated access, the moments that I kind of go, oh my goodness, that show is so much better because I've been thinking about that audience and I've been working with that particular artist. And, they, and it's usually because it's made that moment richer and deeper, um, so that's it really. I think it, it's like the shift from it being an add-on to something fundamental um, and as a creative tool. Um, yeah, so it will be that. That's amazing. Um, and, and this next question to finish um, might be really useful for people right now. It's uh, when, when you feel overwhelmed or overworked or unfocused, um, what do you do? I think it's weird when you're a director you kind of have to be the person who keeps getting back on the horse like even because that's kind of your job so even if you know that everybody's like panicking or everybody's having a tough time or you know everybody's worried about the fact that the covid restrictions have changed you have to kind of be the person who keeps driving it forward you know and that is a quite a unique part of being a director I think and that's not to say that I don't know if that has to be fundamental as being part of director. It's just what I think of as a director. I think one of my jobs is to keep the, the ship sailing forward, um, even if it means actually going on, like charting a very different path to get into the destination. Um, but I do think that's part of what I see my job as is kind of keeping other people motivated. Of course, that can be really hard when you're not feeling very motivated yourself. I think I'm personally quite good at manufacturing that if I need to. <laughs> um, but I think also sometimes it's about just like acknowledging it with the group of people that you're with. I think sometimes we try and hide the fact that things are hard or things, you know, um, getting that balance of kind of going, look, this is a tough moment. You know, we're all feeling like this. Can we just check in about this? Um, can be really helpful, um, you know, without wallowing it in it either, which can sometimes be uh, then kind of have a negative effect. Um, I think when I myself feel unfocused, I think it's about being kind to yourself. Like we all have moments of feeling unfocused or overwhelmed by things. Um, and so whether that, like whatever it is that you need to switch off or do, going for a walk, changing things up a bit, kind of taking a break, you know, I think that's all really important. Um, and I think also, I think it's interesting that like, I think we all think as directors that we're the only person who feels frightened when we direct, that we, um, or that when we start, you know, as theatre makers, that when we start new projects, that like this, it's scary. Like we put ourselves through these mad roller coasters in our jobs. And I think it's cause we love it ultimately, but it doesn't ever stop being scary. So I think actually sometimes I remember um, hearing the, the uh, quite a kind of, established theatre director when I was much younger saying that they had kind of really struggled with their 
fear um, and had to kind of go to therapy and stuff to deal with the kind of fear of going into the rehearsal room. And that to me blew my mind because I was like, oh my God, that is so, oh, everybody experiences that. Um, and actually it never goes away. You just kind of get better at dealing with that, that fear um, and riding the wave of it. So I know that now on a Wednesday night of Tech Week, I will always think I've made the worst play in the history of humankind. But I, I, it still feels rubbish, but now I can just ride it out a little bit more easily than I maybe could before. So um, I don't know if that really answers any of your questions, to be honest. <laughs> It's, but, um, yeah. it's I'm getting what you got from the other directors kind of like that's so good to hear that that is true of, for you as well <laughs> so very totally. good and you know what I think it's also actually like you, when I was um, earlier in my career like the projects that really scared me I'd be you know like feeling sick and you know oh my god like oh I'm not ready for this or like this is just too scary or it's too much or having to go in every day being like oh my god I'm gonna get found out it's awful um but those projects have always ended up the ones I'm most proud of or where actually my, I've got be so much better as a director. I've come out of it having made a show that I'm really proud of, but also feel better and more well equipped. So I think I've also learned to kind of now go, if something's terrifying me, that's exactly the thing I should be doing rather than the things that feel quite safe. Um, you know, because they do make you a better better artist and you learn so much from them and you work really hard you put your all into them because you're scared of them so I think again it's something that I'm lucky I've now got enough experience that I'm kind of used to that but um the feeling that go away you just have to learn to get used to that feeling um yeah yeah that's amazing thank you so much for spending the time um I've learned so much I'm, I'm, I'm this has been amazing um Aww. That's yeah. nice to hear. Well, thank you so much for asking me to come and winter on about my life. <laughs> That's been great. Thank you so much. No worries.